Well, today we're going to be studying through the book of Philippians. It's only four chapters. It's a small little book. And what's awesome about this little book is we can actually cover a lot of it in one sermon. And that's what we're going to do here today. We're going to walk through this passage, spend some time looking at, focusing on, and talking about this message that the Holy Spirit of God gave to Paul to give to the church at Philippi. Now, just so you understand, like the reason this is such a significant letter, a significant book, as I mentioned last week, this is one of the past, uh, the uh, prison epistles. It's one of those prison epistles that, that Paul wrote from prison. He was in Rome. He was under house arrest. He was seven times in prison during his ministry. And during one of those times in house arrest in Rome is when he wrote this letter, about 63 AD. And he wrote it to the church at Philippi, which was a church which was near and dear to his heart. And why was it such an important part of his life? The reason is because Paul, on a second missionary journey, he actually planted this church, as he has many other churches. He planted this church in Philippi. And interestingly enough, which I think is a kind of an important statement, because today we see the, the work that is continuing to be done. It started here because this church in Philippi was the very first church on European soil. The very first church that was planted in Europe was the church at Philippi. And so back before there were any churches, before there were any cathedrals, before there was anything on the continent of Europe, there was this one church that the Apostle Paul planted during his time, during his visit there in Philippi, which is in Greece, northern Greece, about 75 miles outside of Thessalonica. And so he planted this church. And it's interesting that the reason this church was so important to him is because while he was doing ministry, while he was out serving, doing the work that God called him to do, that for a season, for a time, this this was the only church that was supporting him, the only church that was behind him. Now, we talk often, we talked about it a moment ago, about missions. We support a lot of missionaries here at Thomas Road, about 80-plus missionaries that every single month we are sending support to them. We have lots of other mission organizations and agencies around the world that we also support every single month. Can you imagine being a missionary? Being someone who was called by God to go out and to do and to serve and to minister. Can you imagine being that kind of a missionary and you're out there and everybody had dropped supporting you except for one group of people, one church was supporting you in your ministry. It would be discouraging. And that's why Paul loved the church at Philippi so very much because for that season, this was the only church that was standing with him. And so the letter that he writes here, the letter to the Philippians, really is a thank you letter. It's a thank you letter that he sent to say, hey, I want to thank you for continuing to support me in this ministry. But unlike a lot of thank you letters, we get thank you letters and, you know, things that we do and things that we bless other people. And sometimes we get a thank you letter. And in that thank you letter, you know, there might like be a gift card, a gift card to McDonald's. I get a bunch of those really cool best gift you could ever give me. And so something, but that's not what this letter was, right? So this thank you letter was actually a thank you letter that it did include a gift, but a gift that was far more important. Because this thank you letter was rich in truth and rich in th this incredible idea that comes from God about how we can find, and here's the key theme, the key word for the book of Philippians, how we can find joy in a world that's broken, how you can have experienced joy, how when things are falling apart that you can be joyful, how you can rejoice in times of life that, that, that seems like it's impossible, and yet that's what God will do. And so Paul... In thanking them for blessing him, he blessed them far in a far greater way because he gave them these words that all of us need to hear. 
And so today, I kind of want to walk through, because in this letter that he gave that blessed them in ways they could not have imagined, ways that that were immeasurable, really, in this journey, what Paul was really trying to talk to them about and share with them is that God has a great work in your life, that God is doing a great work in your life, and that's what he wanted to share with them. That's what he wanted to talk about with them. And so, in the very first chapter, the first few verses, let me read this, because it talks about that great work. So, think of it now again. This is a thank you letter where Paul wanted to bless them because he, they had blessed him. And so, think of it in that context, and then think of it as this is a letter that was written to you by God, which, by the way, is exactly what this letter is. So now, Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That last verse, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That encompasses what this letter is all about, that we can walk in confidence. And listen, in human nature, we naturally don't walk in confidence. We naturally walk in insecurity. Every single one of us face insecurities each and every day. We all face thoughts in our minds and in our hearts. We're like, man, we're not good enough. We're not smart enough. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough ability. We're not as good as that guy. We can't do what he does. And so we walk through life constantly with this insecurity that we do not know what to do and we don't know how to do it well. And so therefore, oftentimes, we just don't do it at all. And so Paul wanted them to understand, like, be confident. Why? Because God is doing a work in your life. My dad, this was his life verse. My dad read this verse. He talked about this verse. In fact, if you ever had an opportunity when my dad was alive of asking him to sign something for you, whether it was a picture or a Bible or whatever it might be, he would always sign his name and underneath it he would write the words Philippians 1.6. Why? Because he knew of the power that was found in this verse. If you walk into my office right now, Right next to my desk, I have a page, uh, one page. It came out of a 1611 King James Bible, Bible, 410 years old, the original Bible. And that page that's on my wall right now is of Philippians 1.6, my dad's life first. Why? Because we need to understand that because of the work that God is doing in our lives, we can be confident, that we can be confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in us will complete it. So in my dad's Bibles, he had scores of Bibles, and I've got them all, and I love looking through them and seeing his notes. And in many of the Bibles that I've looked through of his, he had two words underlined in Philippians 1.6. The first one was confident, and the second one was complete. In other words, be confident that God will complete. Be confident that God will complete. When you walk through life and when you do what God has called you to do, when you're walking along life's journey and you begin to let insecurities uh, come into your heart, when you begin to believe in the inadequacies that you think you have, that you're not able to do all that God has called you to do, be confident. Why? Because God will complete. When you don't think that you can do it, be confident because God will complete. And that's the message that Paul wanted the church at Philippi to get. 
And so in that idea of this great work that God is going to do to us, through us, he gave us some thoughts in this entire book. And so I just want to walk through some of these ideas of how we can be confident that God will complete the work that he has begun in our lives. And the first one is this, it starts in the gospel. It starts in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look what it says in Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 20. It says, according to my uh, earnest expectations and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It starts with the gospel. Paul wanted them to understand, hey, in life, you cannot lose. No matter what you go through, you will not lose because God has something far greater. In fact, he was kind of hearkening back to what Jesus said in John chapter 14. Remember what he said in verse 1 of John chapter 14? He said these words, in my Father's house are many what? Now see, whenever I ask that question and people say back mansions, we all know that. Why? Because we're looking forward to it, right? In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And so Paul was making sure that they understood, hey, guys, there's nothing to fear. You cannot lose. Work hard. God is going to be confident. God's going to do a great work in and through you, and he will complete it. And listen, even if death is just around the corner, do not be afraid because God is doing a great work and he's already done a great work because he has prepared a place for you. That's what he wanted them to understand. That's what he wanted them to grab a hold of. It's like that old uh, Scottish preacher from the 1800s, Alexander McLaren. And he said this is so often Christians go through life and we spend our lives kind of this entire journey where we are clinging with our hands to the top of a cliff. It's as if we walked off of a cliff and we grabbed a hold, we turned around and we're digging our fingers into the, the soil at the top of that cliff because we're scared to death of what is yet ahead. We're scared to death of dropping to the bottom, of leaving this thing called earth. And so we're holding on and hanging on for dear life, putting our fingers into every precipice and every crevice on that, on that rock, on that, the edge of that cliff. And we're holding on for dear life because we do not want to drop. And yet what he wants us to see and wants us to hear according to this passage is this, is that we do not need to fear what is yet ahead because Jesus said, I have prepared a place for you. And so while you're here, work hard. While you're walking this journey or you're walking through this life, man, do the work that God has called you to do. Be confident of this very thing, that He will complete it. But when it is completed, do not fear, because heaven is yet ahead. Because God has prepared a place where it starts in the gospel. When you come to that place of recognizing that God loves you and that Christ died for you, and that He was buried, that He rose again for you three days later, that we don't have to worry about what this life holds. We don't have to worry about what is yet ahead because of what God has done. Warren Wiersbe said it this way. He said, this is the real basis for joyful Christian fellowship, to have God at work in our lives, and here's the statement, day by day. Every single day, God is at work. On a Sunday, is God at work? Yes. But guess what? He's also at work on Monday. He's on work, at work on Wednesday and on Friday and on Saturday afternoon. He is at work. So be confident of this very thing, that that one who began that work, man, he is going to complete it. It starts in the gospel. 
So if you're a follower of Christ, if you come to that place where you've trusted that Jesus Christ is God's son, that he died, that he was buried, that he rose again, you have believed that, you've accepted that gift of payment, remission, of, 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 of redeeming you and the sins that you have because we're all sinners. If you have gotten to that place where you say, yes, I believe, let me just tell you something. Be confident today because God is at work in your life and it starts right there in the gospel. But it doesn't only just start there in the gospel. Paul wants us to understand that it continues in love. So in Philippians chapter 1, we get this picture of the gospel. In Philippians chapter 2, he tells us like this continues, this work continues through the love that we show. Look what it says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. In other words, the idea that Paul wanted to get across to them is this the work that God wants to do in and through you. It started with the gospel, but it continues in the love that you show. And so he says, listen, stop worrying about yourself. Stop looking out for number one. Because when we walk through life looking out for number one, who is always number one? Okay, God is supposed to be number one, but who is number one? It's us. We're always looking out for our own interests, right? We want more stuff. We want more money. We want more power. We want more status. We want to be recognized. We want people to look at us and like us. We want to have more followers on Instagram and Twitter and, and Facebook and all that kind of like. We want stuff. And what Paul's saying is stop worrying about that stuff. Like, rather than focus on that stuff, hey, why don't you show love and respect and honor to others just as you do for yourself? So, like, love others the way that you love yourself, which, by the way, sounds familiar. It sounds familiar because that's exactly what Jesus said back in Matthew chapter 22. Remember that? In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So when you drove in the parking lot this morning, how many of you noticed the big sign that we put out there that says, love God, love people? Like, that's pretty cool. You've seen the love signs that people put out like all over cities in front of restaurants. People get their picture in the O, like that's a big deal, right? Love. Yeah. So we decided to do something like that, but to put a different spin on it, a better spin on it by saying, hey, listen, let's just do what God told us to do through his son, Jesus, love God and love others. And that's what Paul said here. Listen, if you want to see God complete the work that he began in you, hey, love others, bring unity into the picture. In a world that's full of division, do you think we need unity? In a world where we're always arguing about everything, do you think we need unity? Man, spend some time on social media. It can be discouraging. Man, I've just, I've spent all week this week after seeing some of the things that people are putting out on social media. I have spent some time this week studying Matthew chapter 18, and I cannot figure out how arguing with others and attacking other Christians on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook, I can't figure out how to find that in Matthew chapter 18. I can't do it. We are so divided and so angry and so upset about everything and throwing rocks at everybody we can possibly throw rocks at. And what God is saying here through the Apostle Paul is, listen, be of one mind. Be like-minded. Why? Because that's where joy is found. You want to know why the world is so unsettled and uncertain and angry and upset and divided and hurting? 
Maybe it's not because of what's going on in the world. Maybe it's because we spend so much time divided rather than united. And so Paul says, man, look out for the interests of others more than than just in your own things, right? Andrew Carnegie said it this way. He said, no man will make a great leader who wants to do it all himself or get all the credit for doing it. In other words, you want to accomplish something? You want to be somebody? You want to do something in this world? Recognize, listen, it is not all about you. Don't spend your time working to try to get your name in lights. Spend your time trying to bring honor and glory and recognition to the King of kings and the Lord of lords and do it with others so that you don't get the credit. God gets the credit and everything will be okay. That's why we have these tables here. That's why we're gathered together talking about groups. Well, we want you to connect in groups. Why? Because when we grow together, when we pray together, when we encourage one another, when we study God's Word together, guess what happens? What happens is that we make the world a better place, and God will complete the work that He has begun in each of us. And so it starts with the gospel. It continues in love. But then we go to Philippians chapter 3. And what we see in Philippians chapter 3 is that it comes through focusing on the right things, focusing on what's important, what really matters. Look what it says in Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 7. It says, but what things were gained to me, these things I've counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things uh, lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Here's what Paul says. Man, I recognize that all the stuff that the world thinks is important is not important at all. In fact, he even says, it literally is like rubbish. It's trash. The world says, I've got to have it. But he says, listen, when it comes to talking about that base versus the the idea of knowing Christ and his his sufferings and his crucifixion, his resurrection, like, like the difference between the two, this over here is trash. And we all get caught up in this stuff. Like how many of you could go home today, go to your basement, go to your garage, go to maybe even your own house, maybe drawers within your house, and you can find like a a hundred items that there was a time in your life where you had to have it, and now you haven't touched it in a long time. Let's be honest. How many of you could do that? So like I moved into my house in 2006. Our family moved into this house. We're all excited about it. We you know, in that process of moving, man, we got all of our stuff together. I remember like getting these boxes, you know, going and buying these boxes and man, filling the stuff, filling those boxes, all the stuff that we had to have. And I taped up those boxes and wrote on there what was in the box. And then in 2006, in March of 2006, we moved into our new house and we, we moved quickly. And I just decided, hey, here's what's really smart. We'll move all the stuff and we'll put it in the garage so then we can have time to go through it and we can get it out and put it in the right place. That was 15 years ago. If you were to come to my house today, guess what's still in my garage? A bunch of boxes, and they have not been opened in 15 years. When I put them in the box, I had to have them. 15 years later, I don't even know what they are. And so what Paul's saying, it's all rubbish. It's all trash. 
Why? Because what's really important, what really matters is that I may know him and his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know Christ. When we focus on the things that really matter, God does a greater work in and through us. But when our eyes are fixed and our mind is fixed, when we are focused on the things of this world and the things that the world says are important, here's what ends up happening. That stuff begins to take the place of what really matters, and that is the work that God has called us to do. When you are more focused on what you want and more focused on what you want to have and more focused on making your name great, I can guarantee you, you are not focused on making his name great. We have to make sure that we are focused on preaching, sharing, living, going, growing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Focus on what really matters. And so Paul writing this letter Man, he makes it clear right up front. Man, it starts with the gospel. Chapter 2, man, it continues in love. And chapter 3, focus on what really matters. And then as he always does in chapter 4, at the ending, he encourages us once again that we are held secure by the gracious hand of God. Look what it says in Philippians chapter 4. Verses 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So what does Paul do here? Again, speaking to a people that were going through difficult times, speaking to a people who were facing heartache and heartbreak, a people who were facing opposition, a people who were facing attacks, a people who the world around them was saying that their message wasn't relevant, that they didn't matter, that they were crazy, that they were stupid. Why would you follow after this God? Uh, When they were going through this time where they were being attacked at every turn. And so what does Paul tell them? Here's what he tells them. Hey, Prayer is the starting point. Like, go to God in prayer. And then he tells us secondly in this verse, kind of a formula for how we do this thing. So prayer is the starting point. The second thing, thankfulness is the posture. In other words, don't just run to God and tell God all your problems. Like, man, I need you. I need you to do this and do that. I need this. I need that. Hey, God, thank you for what you've already done. Start with the the posture of thankfulness. God, I'm so grateful for who you are. But then here's the cool part. So prayer is the starting point. Thankfulness is the posture. But then here's the awesome part of this. Is it requesting, seeking help is invited. He says this after. Don't worry about anything. But everything in prayer with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. God invites us to come to his feet. God invites us to bring our problems to him. God invites us to bring our heartaches to him. God invites us to bring our worries and our anxiety to him. God invites us to bring our conflicts to him. God invites us to bring the challenges that we face. God invites us to bring every single thing that we face that leaves tears running down our cheek. God says, hey, bring it on. And then what God says in verse 7, And I will give you the peace that passes all understanding. The peace that does not make sense. And in our world today, 
There are so many times where peace doesn't make sense, where we think it's just not possible. It ain't going to happen. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know how much I hurt. You don't know the anxiety. I know God's out there. I know God is waiting for me. I know God has prepared a place. I get all that. But like right here in the here and now, man, my heart is broken. Listen to what J.T. Macher said. The position of the believer is not simply one of waiting for an absent Lord to return. It is also one of enjoying the reality of a Lord who is always present. Man, don't sit there and think that that God who promises to complete the work in you is a God who's sitting somewhere in heaven that one day we will see. That God is a God that you can see every single day of your life because he is with you every step. That he has never abandoned, he has never walked away, and he never will. That that God is with you in every moment, in every broken heart, in every tragedy, in every trial, in every moment of anxiety, and in every hurt. When that person says something to you that breaks you down, our God is with us. He is present and he is here and he promises to give you the peace that you need. Listen, I don't know what today you might be experiencing. I don't know what today you might be going through. I don't know today the anxiety that you might feel because of the challenges that you're walking through. But here's what I want you to know. God said this, I will give you peace. Be confident in this very thing, that he who has begun the work in you will complete it. Aren't you grateful today that we serve a God who fulfills every single promise? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the hope that it brings, for the encouragement that it offers, the life that it gives. God, we need it. We live in a discouraging time, in a broken season, in a broken world, in a divided population. But God, in the midst of all of that, we stand here today after reading your word, knowing that God, you're in control. That God, you promised to do the work and God, that you will do it. Father, I pray that today, as we gather in this moment, Lord, speak that truth again over and over into our hearts and to our minds. Let us know you're there and you're doing it. Father, we'll give you the praise. With our heads bowed, with our eyes closed, in a moment, we're going to stand. Our team is gathering here at the front, as they do. And when we stand, this altar is going to be open. Because I have no reservation about believing that there's probably someone in this room or someone watching or listening right now who has never come to that place where they've said, I believe that Jesus is God's son. And I believe that he died and that he rose again for me. That maybe there's some people here that have never come to that place where they've understood how much God loves them. And that because Christ died for them, regardless of what yesterday looks like, God paid the price in full through Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, if we believe that Jesus is the God, Son of God, if we believe that he died, that he rose again, anyone who calls on his name will be saved. 
So if you're here today and that's you, in a moment when we stand, I invite you to step out to walk down, come down and talk with one of our team members here. They'd love to talk with you about that God, to share with you about what Jesus has done. And they will love, they would love to introduce you to the power that is found in the gospel. Maybe you're here today and you just need to come and kneel here and just say, God, man, I've been worrying about everything. Man, I live in anxiety. Let's be honest, a lot of us do. And today, according to your word, God, I'm going to give it all to you. God, I'm going to trust you at your word. Be anxious for nothing. But in all things, through thanksgiving, through prayer, God, you're going to give me the peace. Maybe you need to come and just kneel here and pray. Maybe you want to join our church, come for baptism. Whatever God is speaking to you today, let's stand. Let's sing these words, a familiar song. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Today, are you willing to make that a declaration? Zach, will you lead us today? Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this new journey of faith in Jesus Christ. Send an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, we're here to help you. Just reach out to us and we'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. If you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love.